0: I'll give it up for truth this morning. Amen. I am super honored uh, to be able to speak today on this topic, and this is just seriously the absolute fire of my bones uh, as of recent. And I just, everything that I was hoping to explain, describe, and um, say what the Word of God has to say has already been said from candy and my dad here as well and i'm just so thankful for it and so we're going to keep diving in on this topic uh i'm super super excited i believe that the story we're going to see from scripture just speaks right to the day and age in which we live and it is a beautiful picture as to what we are to do today all right so our sermon title for today is where is the hope for the future where is the hope for the future again that is a question, if you have not actually asked that, you probably have just in your brain, maybe you haven't vocalized it, but that is the question in everyone's mind. What What is ahead for us? What's ahead for this nation? What's ahead for the world? Is it just doom and gloom forever? Let's pack it up and just kind of stop progressing forward, do we just sit here and say, ah, that's all really tough, That's up ahead, I just probably am going to focus on myself only, maybe I'll have a little bit of time for someone in my family, or... Are we as the church, with the truth, with the gospel that changes lives, are we going to push forward against the darkness and speak truth into the next generation and bring about hope? That is just, I'm telling you, every bit of my uh, passion for youth ministry. So. To give this sermon context, we first need to see the spiritual state in which we are in, the spiritual um, decay that we have even seen in this nation specifically. You see it everywhere, but I'm just going to say some of the things that are going on to give this sermon more context. So again, like we talked about last week, if you were here, we kind of talked about this idea that we are entering into a crisis-like time. And we see that whenever we look around in the world and we see wars and we see some very scary things ahead of us and we see a lot of people leaving the church. We see people deconstructing and all this kind of stuff. So. To go on that, we see, you know, this in our world, basically any news you get or you look around in your family, all that stuff. But again, specifically in our nation, we see a generation of people who have rejected creation at its most fundamental elements of even male and female. People who are confused to that degree. People who have been distracted from the truth and have been said to just seek comfort and ease more than anything else. And people who celebrate those who are stuck in sin. People who celebrate those who are engaging in demonic realm and those people get popularity and those people get money and those people become influencers in this world in which we live and people seek to follow after them it's a crazy day in which we live it's crazy that the greatest good is being not offensive basically you know that you are seen as a better person if you offend less people and then the greatest evil is to actually take a stance on something that is solid. The greatest evil is to say, This is the truth and there's no way around it. This is just the truth. It's crazy that that is. Perhaps the most offensive thing that you can do, right? However, that is the call of Christianity. The call of the church is to be the salt of the earth. To be the light and not just to be a way, not to be a cool thing you can go and do and hang around people, but we are called to have the truth and live the truth, right? And again, the spiritual state in which we are in, there's been a whole group Of people who have been raised seeking short term pleasure over sacrificing to make a better tomorrow. People have been raised and groomed in such a way that you would just care more about yourself than the person next to you that you would try to make your life just a little bit easier by making other people do a lot more work for you that you would seek more comfort Uh, that's too hard to go and work out I'd rather just sit here on my couch that's too hard to like have some conversations with people it's easier if I just scroll Facebook for a whole hour and a half and that's nice and easy you know Comfort is the name of the game these days, basically, right? And that is the spiritual state in which we are in, right? So what that has then created in a generation is some not good things. Whenever that is how people have been raised for year after year after year, that you would seek your own comfort and you would seek your own ease more than sacrificing things that you want to make tomorrow better, it makes for a hellish future. So, three A's for us, all right? So, I've heard some people, obviously, you you have, like, your classic Baptist preachers who always have, like, the acronyms for stuff, and, like, here's three points that are all the exact same, and that's awesome. There's another guy that I follow, and he does this, and he's like, look, I'm not trying to be corny or cringy or anything, but I want it to be something that sticks in your head that you can recall for later. So, whenever you look at the world in which we are in, and you see... Man, what is all of this creating in this generation? All right. So the first A, what this is creating in this generation, all of this idea of comfort and ease and all this stuff, the first thing it creates is apathy. Apathy. The definition for that is a lack of interest. Apathy. It's this idea of like, who cares? I don't really know what the point of all this is. In fact, there probably is no point Apathy is the name of the game these days. So the symptoms of apathy is a lack of energy to do anything. A lack of drive. A lack of desire to move forward. Another symptom is that you don't care about your problems. You'd rather just play ignorant and act like, ah, they'll probably be resolved by someone else, or hopefully someone will come be my rescuer in this area, or I really don't care about my problems, they're someone else's anyways, I'm just going to keep going with life, I guess. Apathy is what happens, again, whenever you are all about your own comfort and ease, and you won't do anything that makes you uncomfortable, or you won't do anything that's hard. Another symptom of apathy is that you are dull to emotions, good or bad. It's just an overall stale living. Dull. There's no highs. There's no lows. It's just dull. Apathy is a tragic thing. And this happens not just because, oh, all of a sudden I woke up and I'm apathetic. No, this happens because of what you're believing. And this happens whenever you have no hope. It happens when there's no direction for your life. And it happens whenever you have no future that you can rely on, right? So you become apathetic. And again, this is the spirit of the age in which we live today. It's this idea of why should I even try? What's the point? Does any of this even matter? It's all going to end anyways, so why care? And I'm telling you, maybe people don't always say this with their words, but this is something in this generation that just lingers. And this is why people waste their time, because they say, what does it matter? This is why people say, why should I improve myself if there's nothing better in the future? Right? Another thing is people saying, "Uh, this is just too hard. You know, this task in front of me, this idea of living a life that's not just about myself, it sounds like it requires a lot of change, that's going to be too hard. All right, So that's the first result of what this happens in a generation. The second one, bigger word, had to find an A word, of course, though. Apostasy. All right, bigger word. You're like, what in the world? Apostasy. This is, again, what the generation that focuses on their comfort and ease, what the result of that is, apostasy. And this word means a falling away from the faith. We know the term that's most popular, this deconstruction idea, right? Deconstruction. Those who were once in the faith, those who once claimed Christ, he's my savior and all this stuff, and then they hit some adversity or whatever it is, and then they fall away. And you think, what in the world? What happened? How do people just leave the faith? What is happening here? Well, whenever there's an apathetic outlook on life, and you say, there's no hope, and whenever you're only focused on your comfort and ease, and you say, there's no real reason for why we're here, people are just going to be wishy-washy. People are just going to go with wherever the cool crowd goes, right? So... Again, apostasy is is this idea of rejecting Christ. Those who once were believers, you could say, they were in the church. I grew up with them all this time, and all of a sudden they've just left the faith. What's the problem? Well, let's look at what have they been trained in. What are they believing at their core? Who do they think God is to them? What is their relationship like? Again, apostasy or this falling away from Christianity, often occurs with this step first, and that is a low view of Scripture. It's whenever you start to say, Yes, the Bible is great and all, but there's some things in there I just don't know if I can get on board with. There's some things in there I don't know if I can believe. There's some things in there I've heard some people say that it's been translated a bajillion times and it could never be trusted and all this stuff. And whenever the low view of Scripture begins to creep in, a low view of God begins to creep in, and then... A reliance on yourself has to creep in because you don't have security in who God is. And then whenever you rely on yourself, life becomes all about you. You become the judge of what's good and bad. Not the Bible. Not truth. But it's, well, I would have to say, this is what's right and this is what's wrong, you know? Whenever there's a low view of God, because there's a low view of Scripture, it causes reliance on yourself. And whenever there's reliance on yourself, you're going to say, this is too much pressure. I don't know if I can do this anymore. I'd rather just throw it all away. I'd rather just forget it all, act like none of it matters, none of it, it's really confusing anyways. I've heard contradicting things, all this kind of stuff. I'm out of here. Again, this is the result of what happens whenever people have a low view of scripture even, right? So, the best practice to avoid that, study your bible. Ask questions whenever you have questions about what's in the bible. Find someone you trust. Find someone that is further along and is totally bought in to the bible and say, "Why? that's good we're supposed to ask questions that's how we learn we can't just say i'm gonna try to figure this all out on my own but we need to be ones that let's put in the work and let's figure out why should i trust the bible with everything in me and base my life on this entirely and like it says in proverbs we're supposed to engrave these words on our heart and it's supposed to be like everything that we are but if we don't even fully trust it how can we take any steps towards that right so whenever there is that low view people typically begin this deconstruction process and what's fascinating is typically what happens in the deconstruction realm is it happens first because someone presents some offensive truth that says hey the bible says where you're walking is actually sin and someone doesn't like that answer and they say hey I'm the judge. Low view of Scripture, low view of God, and on and on and on. Reliance on yourself, and then it's bad news right there, right? So, again, another interesting thing. You see, typically in those who deconstruct, those who leave the faith, they've been confronted with truth, and fascinating that often what happens is these people go and they make something else their God. They make something else the ruler of their life and they act like this is all fine and great because I'm in control of all this stuff, right? That's not how it works in our walk, right? We have a God who has given us the scriptures that we conform our life to and that he guides our paths as we follow him, right? So we are to be students of the word, The gospel is all about self-denial, whenever the world is all about denying everything that the scriptures talk about, right? It's like, I don't know why this generation is so fallen away. It's like they never even read the Bible to begin with. Yes, they have not, most likely, you know? If you look at the stats of those who are in the Gen Z realm, those about 12 to 25, the stats are staggering of those who don't read their bible haven't been in church in you know recent time those who have and i wish i had all the stats off here we've we've gone over some of these in the youth and it's just staggering to see the amount of people who have left the scriptures entirely and then question why nothing makes sense right so we must have a return to the bible the third a that we'll talk about here a result of a generation that focuses on themselves, and a generation that has left the faith is this word, apocalypse. All right, now we got everyone's attention. Classic vertical, nice, light and easy sermon. You know, it's just nice stuff. Nothing hard, just nice Bible things. No, apocalypse. It's this idea of the destruction of the world, the end times and all this stuff. And this often is where I think the majority of us here can relate most often with this sermon, all right? So we talk about the teams and we say, "Ah, it's so terrible that they just don't know their Bibles. It's so terrible they weren't raised like we were raised. That's so tough. Well, the end times is happening. You look around the world, it's pretty crazy. Anyways, just kick back. Just say, Jesus comes soon. But instead, why do we not have an outlook that says, the end times are coming. Jesus is returning. There's a whole generation that has left the faith that need Christ, right? A whole generation of people who have left the scriptures, who have left God as being good savior, who sent his son to die for our sins. And we say, well, I'm glad I got my ticket. I'll just wait and hopefully see some of my friends up there in heaven. But man, a whole generation around us, a whole group of people, probably here even in this church and people that you know in your family, who have left maybe apathetic to life, they've left the faith and now we encounter this word of apocalypse and we say, what are we supposed to do? I would also argue that apathy and apostasy or the leaving of the faith are often heightened because of the fear of the end times. Because they're afraid of what might happen. They're afraid of the fear of the unknown, right? So we... Are to know what's to happen. There's so many great resources today of people who follow Christ closely and speak to these issues directly. So, a quote from a man, Jimmy Evans, who again is a super solid guy on the end times. He says, Hey, anticipate the return of Jesus today. Anticipate it like it's coming today. Like we could end the church service and Jesus is coming on the clouds and we say, Thank the Lord. But at the same time, he says, plan for Jesus to return in 100 years. Plan that he would return after your great-grandkids are all grown. And he says that in such a way to say, hey, Let's not just kick back and say, Jesus is coming. I guess my work here is done. That's not the case. We are to plan. We are to pass along faith to the next generation, even in the midst of the end times and in the fear of the end times and all this stuff. We are still to speak to this generation, right? So, This is all the context in which I want to approach the scriptures today that we're going to look at. And again, I want to address the fear of the end times, the falling away of those who had been in the church, and the lack of care from those who maybe are even in the church today. Again, yes, I believe Jesus is returning, and I believe it's sooner today than it was yesterday, but I want to be one that plans for Jesus to return 100 years from now and have a plan to bring others to him in the meantime time right so let's get into our passage today it's acts chapter 20 verse 7 is where we're going to be acts chapter 20 verse 7 if you have your bibles please turn there. phone ipad whatever it is that's awesome too acts chapter 20 verse 7 this is our text for today And again, a little bit of setup for this passage for the book of Acts. This is written by the physician Luke. He also wrote the Luke, the gospel of Luke, right? And this occurs after Jesus has ascended. This is the documentation of the acts of the apostles, the acts of the Holy Spirit, those who were filled with the Holy Spirit after Jesus had ascended, right? And this is documenting the building of the church in its earliest days, all right? So that's a little bit of a set up for what's happening here and so we get to Acts 20 verse 7 it says this now on the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread Paul ready to depart the next day spoke to them all right so this is a Sunday night church type event from you look at the calendar in which they would have operated this is a Sunday night and Paul is speaking as he's about to leave on his next missionary journey, all right? So Acts 27, the last part says this, and continued his message until midnight, all right? Paul, loving it. He says, I'm preaching, I'm bringing it, I'm loving it. And he's going through the whole story of Jesus, I'm sure, and explaining and putting pieces together and applying and all this stuff, and it's probably great, great stuff, right? Right? Paul loves, again, having deep, meaningful relationships. You see it in all of his writings. He's mentioning all sorts of people, and he's like, I'm so proud of you, thankful for you. We're always thinking about you. And so Paul, same guy, doing the same thing here in Acts chapter 20. Then we get to where it gets interesting here. Verse 8, it says, There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. So this idea of a large room, all these people with lamps, Paul is preaching to. It says, And in a window sat a certain young man named eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep and he was overcome by sleep fascinating story maybe you've never heard of it in the bible it gets crazier all right so we focus in on this guy eutychus eutychus is the name means fortunate all right fortunate is what his name then and it's not just because he was mentioned in scripture but you'll see why he's All right. We don't hear about who this guy's family is. We don't hear what he did for work. We don't hear if he had a long day and that's why he's tired or if it's just Paul rambling. And this young man is getting overcome by sleep. And he's sitting in a window. Fascinating story. You're like, what in the world? Where are we going with this? Keep on holding on. All right. Again, we aren't told why, what the whole lead up was. We don't know. If he was one that was apathetic to life, or he was like, ah, what does it matter? I'm just chilling here. My parents are over there. I'm going to sleep. I'm sitting in this window. I'm nice and comfortable. Let's continue on with the story. Verse nine says, and as Paul continued speaking, he, Eutychus, fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. Wowza. Fascinating Crazy, weird. Why is this in here? Luke, the physician, writing and says, this guy falls, he's dead. Dead on the spot. Third story, that's crazy, all right? Third story, falls down. Next verse says this, but when Paul, or but Paul, went down, fell on him, and embracing him, said, do not trouble yourselves, for his life is in him. Crazy. Paul, here, Preaching, on a Sunday night service basically and preaching until midnight the guy gets tired, falls Paul stops what he's doing I'm sure there's all sorts of commotion and Paul runs down and then embraces him after he is dead embraces a dead young man and says do not trouble yourselves for his life is in him Again, fascinating. We look at the physical depiction of the story, and it's crazy. He goes down and says, life is in him. And Luke, this physician, is saying, this guy's dead. What's happening here, all right? And then we look also at what's happening in the spiritual realm of things. We're even more shocked as to what's going on. So a couple takeaways, and then we're gonna get some more into this story. So initial takeaways. First, Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, goes, embraces him, and says, do not trouble yourselves. His life is still in him. This is a resurrection story here. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit to resurrect one who is dead physically, right? And that's incredible. This happens very few times that someone goes and lays on a man and then they come back to life, but it's recorded in other times. So Paul does what he knows, what he's seen and heard in the Bible, right? In the Old Testament. But, Again, there's also this understanding that there's the power to raise someone from the dead spiritually. So again, something powerful happens when a leader, one who's mature in the faith, one who is known as a trusted follower, goes and embraces a young one who has fallen asleep and is spiritually dead. This is fascinating here. So... Again, Paul embraced Eutychus. Write it down. That's huge. Paul goes and embraces this young man. This young man who falls asleep while Paul is preaching. Disrespect, you know what I'm saying? It's like, ouch. That hurts. As one who speaks up here, someone goes to sleep, you're like, ouch. That's tough, you know? But not only that, he goes and dies on the spot. Again, weird, fascinating story that it's in here. But Again, Eutychus. He's in the right place. He's with the believers. He's doing the right things. He's around all the people. He's in church and it's great and it's nice. And again, maybe his parents were there. Maybe he's there by himself. We don't know all the specifics. But interesting that he's in the right place and is still found dead. When you live being rocked to sleep by the things that comfort you, and by the things that make life easy, don't be shocked when you find yourself dead. Because that is a bad recipe for success whenever you're just seeking comfort and ease. Another fascinating part of the story, Paul goes down and says, his life is in him. What in the world? He's dead. But fascinating that Paul doesn't scoff At the guy falling to sleep. Doesn't scoff at the guy dying during his sermon. He doesn't say, hey, that's what you get. You fell asleep. Tough. That's on you. He doesn't say, kids these days, so young, dumb, sleeping in windows. What are we doing here, you know? He doesn't say that stuff. But Paul runs to this man who has died. Again, not saying this generation's done for. We older people, we understand faith and we're in church and we're loving the Sunday night service till midnight and all this stuff. But he goes, takes away his title, his prestige, his apostle standing tall, all this kind of stuff and goes down to the one who's dead. And he stops what he's doing, embraces the lifeless corpse of this young man. And he calls out to the rest of the church, says, don't trouble yourselves, life is in him. He doesn't Comfort him in his death. He doesn't just stroke a dead face and say, It's okay. It's all right. You know, it's tough trying to like, you know, participate in all this stuff. No, that's not what we are supposed to do whenever there are people who are dead spiritually, even here in our church. We don't just toss an arm around them and say, Hey, it's really hard. It's just going to be okay. But we say, Hey, there's life in you. And we're to speak that over them, like Candy was saying. We have the Spirit in us, right? As believers, we are to speak that into and over those who are younger than us, even younger than us in the faith, maybe not by age. But we are to speak that over them. And don't be surprised whenever you see resurrections beginning to happen. Whenever we see people start to come alive in their faith... It is a powerful thing when one who is the believer, who is the one who has the spirit in them goes to the one who's fallen asleep, who's dead, who looks like they don't care and ministers to them. So let's continue on in the story. Verse 11, coming down to the end here. It says, Now, when he had come up, had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till daybreak, he departed. Paul. Dude said, all right carry on. Business is normal, I guess. Resurrect a guy, it's time to go back and make some relationships with some people. Pretty crazy. Again, fascinating. Paul built different, I guess. It's great. But again, Paul continues on. After even this miraculous thing happens, and he goes and talks, not just like, all right, let's just catch up and let's get out of here, but he says, let's continue on. I'm sure in that, he was making some spiritual applications there. I'm sure he was connecting the dots for these people, right? Maybe he was waiting for another person to fall out of a window and say, I'm going to resurrect them too? Probably not though. Verse 12. Verse 12. Wrapping it up right here. It says, and they brought the young man in alive. Eutychus. They brought him in alive. And they were not a little comforted. It's like, what in the world? This is a phrase in a sense to like Overemphasize the under, understatement right here. It's not a little comforted. In some of the other translations you see, and they were greatly relieved. They were greatly comforted. Eutychus, the fortunate one, now is being taken home alive after being dead. So when he was called that from then on, people called his name, you know he had to have thought, I'm fortunate to be here. I'm not just here by my own strength, by my own awesomeness or whatever kind of thing, but he's here fortunate to still be alive. And I'm sure he's telling this story to every friend he's ever had after that, right? So our last slide, our last point here today is this. Where is the hope for the future? The hope for the future is found in those who have a desire to see the next generation experience salvation. See the next generation experience freedom. See the next generation experience life. That's where hope is found. It's found in those people who are committed to speaking truth into the next generation. And that hope is found in the life of every believer. It's found in you because you have the Spirit in you. And here, again, we go back to the songs today. I'm just literally like in tears if you're on the front row. Like, what an amazing whole depiction of everything that I wanted to communicate. It's all being communicated this whole entire day. The song, I have witnessed it. That is what we are to do. Tell that next generation, hey, I have witnessed it. I had pain. I had trauma. I had unresolved tension and hurt and all this stuff. But God healed me there, and now I no longer walk bound by fill-in-the-blank. I've witnessed the power of God in my life, and I'm showing it to someone else. It's time to put away the mocking, the scoffing towards the next generation. And the next generation... It's time to put away the apathy. It's time to put away the deconstruction. It's time to return to Scripture. It's time to stand up in faith and say, I know God has called me for a reason. And I know there are other people out there that God wants to save. And he may just use me. Because I'm willing. I want God to use me me right it is more than time to have a heart for those who are right next to us but are spiritually sleeping it is time to have a heart that says i want you to wake up i want you to walk in life and it's time to embrace those who have fallen away it's time to embrace those and speak life over them not be discouraged by what may be ahead but be a change Speak life. Make a difference. Y'all join me in praying. God, we come to you today asking to put on our hearts the spirit that will bring about freedom, that will bring about revival, and that will bring about a new life in this generation. Lord, I ask that you would put that so deeply in all of our hearts and that it would be the passion in us that we would see those who are living in comfort and ease and that we would call them to something higher than that. And that we would call them to the truth. And Lord, I pray for each of us that you would put in us an awareness spiritually of what is going on and that you would move in us to make an impact on others, God. We pray all of these things in your name. Amen.